Speech by Susan Lawrence. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Philippa Jevons. Speech given to the House of Commons on June the twenty seventh, nineteen twenty seven, by Susan Lawrence. I know a little better now than to appeal to the Minister of Health on grounds of pity and humanity, but I feel that we have a right to get from the Minister the strict observance of the law. The Minister is very fond of appealing to the law, when boards of guardians step a little beyond the law, moved by motives of philanthropy and charity. That is right, and as it should be. But what I have to complain about is that the Minister encourages the West Ham Board of Guardians habitually to break the law of England with regard to outdoor relief. The law is clear and plain. Fathers and mothers must maintain their children, children must maintain their parents, but there is no obligation of any kind upon brothers to maintain brothers or upon sisters to maintain sisters. But the whole policy of this Board of Guardians is to attach the earnings of brothers and sisters to keep other members of the family who are not legally dependent upon them. If these people knew their job, they could get out of it, but they trade upon the benevolent feelings of brothers and sisters, and cast the whole care of maintaining the younger members of the family upon the sisters and brothers. There are the children of soldiers who have been killed in the war, to whom the government have given pensions, and this board of guardians have thrown them upon the maintenance of their step-brothers, step-sisters, and step-fathers. When the government were deciding what we ought to give to the children of men who died in the service of the country, they considered very carefully what was the proper sum to give, so that these children could get a proper upbringing. I will give two cases. Those cases I brought to the notice of the minister, and he knows they are perfectly genuine. There were four children of a soldier who was killed, and the government gave the children pensions. One of them died, and there are three of them left. They have, in the form of pensions, twenty-three shillings and sixpence a week, while one of them is earning twelve shillings a week. Later the mother married, and there are two children of the later marriage. To the father, the mother, and the two younger children, the guardians give eight shillings in kind, and five shillings in money, thirteen shillings altogether. The orphans of the soldier have to maintain their mother, their stepfather, and the two stepchildren. One of the bedrooms they have sublet for four shillings and sixpence a week because they have so little money for food, and therefore the soldier's children have nothing like the bedroom space which would make children happy and healthy. The bedrooms of the soldier's orphans have been taken away from them in order that the other members of the family may have enough to eat. There is another case of a similar kind where the three orphans of a soldier have seventeen shillings and sixpence a week as pensions and earn ten shillings a week. The mother married, and there is another child of the second marriage. They get four shillings a week in kind from the guardians, and four shillings a week in cash, and the rent is four shillings and twopence a week. They let one of the rooms, and again the sleeping accommodation of a soldier's orphans has been filched from them, because there is no money to feed the rest of the family. When the country voted all that amount of taxation, in order that soldiers' orphans should be properly treated, it did not mean that they should be all herded into one room. This is the more wicked on the part of the minister, because the members of the former board of guardians faced up to cases of this kind. In 1922 they communicated with the Ministry of Pensions, 
and the Minister of Pensions wrote a letter to them which determined their policy. He said, the pensions for the children of the soldier should be expended for their sole benefit. That was not what the Labour Minister said, but what the Conservative Minister said in 1922, and that is the common sense of the matter. This money was never voted to go in indiscriminate relief to the relations of soldiers' orphans. We voted this money in order that the children of men who died in the war might be decently and healthily brought up. Here, in those two cases, the money is being filched from them, and they are being housed in a way which is not wholesome and decent. That is what the Minister is doing. I now come to more general matters. The Minister is very fond of saying, when certain cases are brought before him, that he cannot interfere with the discretion of the Boards of Guardians. But we know that the Minister has power to issue general regulations. The old West Ham Board of Guardians, when they had to deal with an old person, gave fifteen shillings a week. You cannot get a room in West Ham for less than five shillings or four shillings and sixpence a week. The new Board of Guardians have cut down the maximum scale for single persons to eleven shillings a week. If you have to pay five shillings or four shillings and sixpence a week for a room, how can you live and obtain food, firing and clothing and everything else on the balance of eleven shillings? It is not possible to do it. I knew some of these cases, and I know that people are suffering from hunger, and that in the winter they were suffering from cold as a direct result of the regulations laid down by the present Board of Guardians. Some time or other these people will take a chill, they will not have the strength to throw it off, and though the medical certificate will be that death was caused by pneumonia or bronchitis, the real cause will be starvation because of regulations carried out under the auspices of the Minister of Health. I have got here in my hand the report of the West Ham Union, which has been printed in His Majesty's Stationery Office. I do not know what authority Parliament gives to the Minister of Health to print the reports of local government authorities. It is certainly a nice way for the local authorities to save money. If he would consider extending that to the Poplar Borough Council, it would take a bit off the Poplar rates, and we would feel greatly obliged to him. They draw the attention of the world in general to the amount which they have saved in salaries and wages. They have saved something like £15,000 in salaries, and they have done it partly by making the nurses work longer hours than any women engaged in nursing ought to do. When I challenged the Minister about this, the Minister denied it. And then I put a question to him, and he had to admit that what I said was true. It is put down also in the report of the West Ham Board of Guardians. The nurses used to have, at the central infirmary, not everywhere, but at the central infirmary, where the work is very heavy, they used to have a 48-hour week, which meant that they had a day off to recuperate. The new Board of Guardians have given the nurses a 56-hour week, which means that they do not get a clear day. The West Ham Board of Guardians did not, as they ought to have done, give all the nurses in all their institutions a 48-hour week. At Whip's Cross the nurses have worked more than 48 hours a week, but in the central infirmary, where the heavy cases are nursed, they had only a 48-hour week. I want the committee to remember that there is no such heavy nursing as the nursing in a workhouse infirmary. At West Ham the nursing is very much heavier than in London, because in London the poor law guardians send the very distressful cases to the sick asylums of the Metropolitan Asylums Board. 
they do not keep in the workhouses in London the cancer cases and the cases of venereal disease. West Ham does, and in these extreme cancer cases it is not merely that the patient is dying from cancer, but very heavy work is demanded of the nurses. If a person dying from cancer is of any weight, the nurses have to shift the patient continually or the poor wretch is tormented with bed sores as well as with cancer, so that a nurse who is nursing a dying cancer case has not merely the ordinary work of nursing, but a great deal of heavy lifting and moving, and, if that work is not done, the patient suffers very acutely and painfully. Nurses and sick attendants are only human beings, and in that atmosphere of death, because there is nothing so depressing to the mind of a woman or a man as to be dealing with chronic cases that cannot recover, that only leave the institution by death to be replaced by fresh chronic cases who in three or four months will die too, there is no work so dispiriting. And if the nurses do not have a short working week, they cannot give the care and attention that they should. They cannot give the patients those little attentions that are so necessary, they cannot keep up the sort of atmosphere of hopefulness which it is their duty to keep up. Of all the things that the minister has done, I think one of the most petty, one of the economies which is most bitter today, is the lengthening of the working week of the nurses at the central institution from 48 to 56 hours. This is not the first time that the minister has heard about it. It is in the report here. It was put to him in this house. It was put to him by question and answer. He knows all about it, and he knows that the unions representing these nurses and sick attendants came to him and argued the case. They pointed out that in other boards of guardians where the work was not so heavy, in London boards of guardians, in Hackney, I think, and some others, because the nursing work is by its nature dispiriting, and because women cannot keep up a proper attitude of mind and a proper condition of body, in other workhouse infirmaries in London they have a 48-hour week, though they do not have this number of patients. It is getting very common. The London County Council nurses have a 48-hour week. All good institutions where the work is heavy have a 48-hour week. And to reimpose a 56-hour week does mean a callousness on the part of the minister that I, for one, cannot understand. The ingenious cruelty of this board of guardians is terrible. Let me take the case of what is done with regard to dock labourers. A dock labourer, if he is a superior sort of man, has a tally, and the tally means that he gets work when work is going. He has to go to the employment exchange twice a day to sign on if he does not get work, and he has to go twice a day to the docks, which are at the other end of the district, to look for a job. This present board of guardians have passed a rule that if a man has a brass tally, he is only to be relieved as and when relief is applied for, because they say that if they give him anything like a regular wage, if they make an order, some day or other he may slip down to the docks and get half a day's work, and they will not know about it. I will give particulars of a case which I investigated, and which I think has been to the minister. During six weeks, the man in question, who was getting unemployment benefit, had the following out-relief. One week he had fourteen shillings in kind, the next week he had twenty-nine shillings in kind, then there was a gap, and then he had twenty-two shillings regularly for three weeks. Then, on the thirteenth of December, he got a day's work and earned nineteen shillings. He got seven shillings in relief and, of course, lost his unemployment benefit. Then people say that the poor do not want to work. 
This man, by going to the docks, got a day's work and earned nineteen shillings. His relief was cut down to seven shillings, and he lost his unemployment benefit. These are the inducements that we have to give to the poor. This man is lame. He spends the whole of his time going backwards and forwards twice a day to the docks, twice a day to the employment exchange, and round again to the relieving officer. He is a good attender at the docks, and once in about six weeks, with the depression at the docks, and because he is lame, he gets a job, and he has to pay fares. He spends the whole of his life crawling around on that unceasing journey up to the employment exchange, because the minister will not have an employment exchange at the docks, though we have asked him often enough. This man goes up to the employment exchange at one end of East Ham, down to the docks to look for work, back to the employment exchange to sign on, again down to the docks, and now, without a penny in the cupboard, round to the relieving officer. What makes me more angry even than the suffering of this family is the contempt with which the poor are treated. The Minister of Labour will not have a room at the docks in order to spare this double daily trudge up to the other end of the borough. A man may be a dock labourer and lame at that. What is the good of considering him? Let him walk, let him spend the whole of his life in that unceasing trudge. That is the sort of life you give the people. And people do not understand the depression, the misery, the unhappiness which settles down upon a family when they have to live in that sort of way. The wife said to me that they cannot bear it. This perpetual walking and no job, with a little crumb thrown by the relieving officer, is breaking the men's hearts, and is breaking the women's hearts too. I say we ought not to treat the poor so despitefully. I cannot help what the West Ham Board of Guardians do, but to make some decent arrangement whereby this man is not kept walking round and round with his lame leg in bad weather is, I think, the very least thing the Guardians ought to do. I want now to ask the Minister a few questions. The last report of the West Ham Guardians spoke about the wonderful economies they made, and one of the wonderful economies they made was to cut down the loan repayments for the half-year from £127,000 to £58,000. The old board, which was so hardly spoken of, did at any rate pay back its interest and part of the principal, which the minister quite properly accepted. In the last recorded half-year they paid £127,000 for interest and part of the principal. The minister is uncommonly kind to the new board in the first half-year, and has let them off the repayment of part of the principal, so that the saving they have made is merely that they are keeping back money that the exchequer ought to have. We should all like to make savings of that sort. We could all make very large private savings at the expense of the amount the exchequer is entitled to demand from us. I should like to ask what arrangement is entered into with this board of guardians with regard to the repayment of the debt they owe and the amount they are to repay in the future, and whether the arrangements the minister will no doubt outline are peculiar to this board of guardians, or whether he proposes to extend the same kind, liberal and generous treatment to the destitute boards of guardians in the mining and industrial areas, and if not, what justification has he for treating his own children so very much better than his stepchildren, the other boards of guardians. It is a lamentable thing that in West Ham alone the infantile mortality figures for this year are so much worse than last. A good many things have been said about Poplar, but Poplar's vital statistics compare extraordinarily favourably with those of West Ham, 
and it seems to be forgotten that the object for which guardians were instituted was that people who were hungry and unemployed should have some definite standard of living. Judged by any of these humane standards, the West Ham Board of Guardians are in a very inferior position. I should like to make one more general reflection, which ought to come home to the Minister of Health, and that is the extraordinary amount of subletting. East Ham is a horribly crowded place. I have known families of six, seven, and eight in a room. The place is so crowded that any room can be let almost at once, and where relief has been cut down, the people have very commonly adopted the plan of all huddling together into one room and letting the second bedroom to some lodger in order to bring in a few shillings a week. The minister and the West Ham guardians have, to my knowledge, increased the unbearable and indecent crowding in the borough I represent. I have been to the board of guardians about a family where the father has consumption. Two children have caught it, and the rest are in great danger. They are living in one room, and if a decent amount of out-relief were given, they could get another room. There is not enough money to pay for the rent, even in tuberculous cases, to separate the people who are healthy from those who are diseased. If you could have the loss of life due to overcrowding, the crowding together in some places of tubercular and healthy people, the loss of life due to debility caused by underfeeding, and the general human misery caused by the operations of the West Ham Board of Guardians. If I had eloquence, I could move the house. But we are not all eloquent, and we can only put the plain story before the minister. I am not putting it before him, really. I do not think it is much use. I am putting it before the house, so that what we have to say may be recorded in the official report, and compassionate people up and down the country may speak not to the minister, but to their members of parliament, and ask them to put some form of pressure upon the minister. End of speech